All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us in person, tuning online, watching this later on the interweb or years down the road. If you want to check us out, we're glad you're watching too years later. And so uh, it's weird because everything I say now is like on the internet forever. And it's just as weird. So anyway, um, so a couple of things, really one big announcement, Fall Fest is this week. If you don't know what Fall Fest is, we've been talking about it forever. It's our big kind of fall festival. We have it here in our parking lot leading over into the park across the street. Uh, we had several thousand people here last year. It's a lot of fun. It's from five to eight. It's completely free. Food trucks, vendors, inflates for the kids, all kinds of stuff uh, come through. If you try to drive through town, you might as well stop because you're not getting through, I promise. Uh, and so we literally like shut down this whole side of the city. And so we would love to have you, your family, and your friends. The church puts it on, but it is not a church event. It's just a fun get-together. Um, and the weather looks amazing on Thursday. And so you want to take some time to come out here, invite your family and friends. It's just a good time for everybody. That's all I'm going to announce because that's the big thing coming up. But there is a lot of other stuff coming up. Uh, if you don't know, we have an app. It's free on Google, Android, Apple, whatever. Uh, it's the best way to stay connected. Podcast is on there, Divinely Uninspired, because it is fall. And so we know a lot of people go on trips and stuff. And so make sure and download the podcast. Uh, it's fall. It feels nice outside. Pumpkin spice is everywhere and it's still disgusting. And uh, it's just gotten out of control. It really, really has. And so, uh, but yeah, so we're excited about Fall Fest. It's also the best way to give. If you guys are new to Journey, we don't pass plates around here. It costs a lot of money to do what we're doing to operate an organization. Uh, we don't pass plates. Uh, so the app is the best way to give and all of that stuff recurring or just one time or whatever. So uh, all that, download the app, come to Fall Fest on Thursday. Now, today, that song, I love that song, but I always forget how long it is. Like several times I kept wanting to come out and then just kept going. So, uh, so I have a lot to say in a little bit of time, so I'm just going to jump into it. We're in the second week of this greater series. And um, if you've spent any time here at Journey, what you know is when we go through series, I try to build every week off of the week before and the week after, and so they try to build upon each other. And so today I'm going to go and tell you, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of tension, which I love. I think people freak out about tension. I think tension's awesome. And uh, I love it because Jesus used it a lot. Like there's a lot of times if you read your Bibles, which you should, Jesus would just go up to people and just ask questions and then just walk away, right? Or like they would ask him questions and he'd be like, what do you think? And then he's gone. And it was just, it's amazing. So there's going to be some tension um, and my wife always gets on me because I have my little tagline and you'll just have to come back next week. And she's like, you shouldn't say that. I don't like it. So I'm going to stop saying it because she said. So, uh, but I will tell you, if you want the result, the resolve of today, you have to come back next week. Now, part of this series is based on the idea that um, I have just, and it's a tough season for everybody. I mean, the last 18 months and I keep saying this and you keep knowing it and it's just been hard from the big picture. I mean, there's just so much that's happened in the last 18 months in our country, politically, racially, with all the COVID stuff. And there's all kinds of feelings about all of that stuff, none of which I'm going to talk about from the stage. Um, but it's been hard for a lot of people. And then there's all this personal stuff that like some of us are going through, right? So like there's the big stuff, but then there's also like little stuff, like all of this craziness in our world but then a lot of us are still going through tragedy in life. And this week alone, I had four different conversations, um, just really tough conversations. And, and part of my job, what's so weird about it, is I often, and many of you in this room, as I'm looking, I'm trying to make eye contact, I get invited in to like the pain and the hardship and the things you're going through. And this week alone, I had a few of those really tough conversations 
um, two people things that had happened, and so we're sitting there, and we're trying to work through it and wrestle through this stuff. And I've often learned sometimes the best thing is just not to give advice, just shut up and let people talk. Um, and they just want to know people are with them and care about them. Um, some of the conversations I had this week were just stuff that people have done, and now they're having to deal with the consequences of it, or it's stuff that's been done to them, and they're trying to work through all of that stuff. And I think what it reminds me of is that life is just really difficult, um, and if it's not difficult now, just wait. Um, it will happen. It'll be this tense moment. It'll be this hard thing. And I think what really happens is so many times we find ourselves in seasons or weeks or months or years where we just honestly take a look at it and we say, this isn't the thing that I hoped it was going to be. Things aren't going the way that I hoped. And, and, and so it's hard. And it's really hard in today's world because so many times when things aren't going the way we hoped, we look around and everybody else's life seems to be going well, right? You know, I mean, let's be honest. We talk about the last 18 months. For some of us, the last 18 months really haven't been that bad. Like there's some difficulties. There's a couple things maybe we don't like, but at the end of the day, it hasn't been terrible. And then some of us, we're like in this really hard thing right now. Or some of us, it's this thing where we, we see like we're having issues in our family, and then you look at your friends, you look at your family um, outside of your immediate family, and things seem to be going well for them, right? And, but it's not for you. Or if you're you know, in relationship with someone, or even friendships, right? I mean, friendships come, friendships go, friendships can be hard sometimes, marriage can be difficult. And what happens is when all of these things come together and we're going through a hard time, you know, it seems like everybody else's life is going well, and so we become resentful. We can become a little bit hurt. We can become angry. Um, we can judge other people. We can talk bad about other people. You ever tore somebody else down because you feel bad about yourself? You ever done, what is, that's weird, isn't it? That's kind of messed up. But we do those type of things. And then sometimes we're in this season, and this is actually something that somebody said to me this week, and it was so interesting. They're going through this really hard thing. And they're like, it seems like nothing I can do is making it better. But then they said, the thing I'm wrestling with is trying not to make it worse. And I was like, that is such an interesting insight. That you realize that things are just going to be bad right now, but you're trying to make choices and decisions not to make it worse. And then on top of all that, for many of us in this room, and I realize not everybody that will watch this or watching in this room or whatever, not everybody's decided where they land on this Jesus thing and this God thing and this faith thing. And, but for those of us that have, and maybe some of us that even haven't, the question that comes up when we go through these tough times, not only collectively, but also individually, is we ask questions like, God, what are you doing, right? Like, where are you in this? And, and why isn't things going the way that I hoped. And some of us, we even have this thing, and we've talked about this so many times, so I'm going to hit on it again. We have this, this thing that we do that when things aren't going well, we seem to think that's how God feels about us. And there's an interesting thing that we've talked about before. I mean, it's a little bit of Western thinking when we think like that, but there's actually no correlation between the circumstances you face and how God feels about you. There isn't. It's not in the New Testament. I mean, some of the people that, I mean, Jesus himself who is the pinnacle of God's love, goes through something that none of us can imagine. And are we going to say that God didn't love Jesus? No, it's very clear in all of this. And, and so anyway, so there's no actual correlation between God's lack of cooperation, and here's the key word, in what we want and the way God feels about us. 
But it doesn't help that, that we go through these tough times and sometimes we say things like God doesn't feel like he's present in this moment. Sometimes it feels like maybe there's something wrong with me. I've talked to several people over the years that they feel like because there's some type of sin in their life or something they've done before that they're being punished for that as if God is like Zeus up there with his little lightning bolts ready to strike us down. What's fascinating is when you open up the New Testament, you know, and the whole Bible is kind of littered with this, but especially the New Testament, what we discover is the men and women that bring us the stories about Jesus, and then the men and women who we actually would say make up the foundation of our faith, are men and women who are well acquainted with adversity. They go through a lot of stuff. I mean, they live in this world with all of this tension and all of this heartache and all of these problems and all of this persecution. I mean, many of the stories, like we read the Bible stories as if they're like fairy tales that like happen somewhere along the line, like Star Wars or like whatever other fairy tales, because I can't think of any right now. Um, I'm sure they're out there and I'm just having a brain fart. But anyway, um, you know, I shouldn't say fart in church, but whatever. (laughs) Again, on the internet for all of time. Uh, But they face adversity, and like we like pretend like they're little kid stories. Like, but think about some of your favorite Bible stories and what these people actually went through. And struggle and heartbreak, we can't imagine. And yet these people, these are the people that that even in those hard things, they're not put off by the adversity. In fact, what we see is often the adversity they face and the hardship they face is actually the things that bring them in closer to the story. Now, last week we started talking about this guy named Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. And Paul came to faith after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after the ascension, which means that, you know, we look at the early disciples, and these are the followers of Jesus, and a lot of them, they go on to do amazing things, but they also ate and drank and talked with Jesus, which is pretty cool, right? Paul doesn't get any of that really type of experience we learned. He has this one moment, but most of what Paul learns about Jesus comes from following and learning from other people. And Paul's this interesting character because, you know, a lot of people don't like Christians. Well, Paul hated Christians, right? Um, You know, some of us think that some Christians should be arrested, right? Paul arrested them. He took it a step further. I mean, he he becomes this, like, Christian hater, for lack of a better term, and one of the greatest uh, messengers of the hope of Jesus. In fact, I would assume, and I could be wrong, but I would say most of us in this room are Gentiles, which means we're not Jewish. Um, And we had Jesus descendants or whatever, but um, we should be incredibly grateful for what Paul did. And what's fascinating is this. Paul has more influence. In fact, there's books written about this, that he has more influence on Christianity than anyone that's ever lived. So if anybody is going to have an easy life, without all the worries and the stress and the pain, because he's going to do more for God than anybody else. But right when Paul's starting to be at the center of what God's will is for him and what amazing things he's going to do for the world, Paul is stricken with some type of physical ailment. Now, that's not uncommon because many of us are, are, have these type of things that pop up in our life, and we go through these things. But what we found out about Paul's hindrance is that this thing that's in his life, whatever it is, it's not going away. And it's a hindrance. Now, listen to this. Many of us, when we face hardship, it's a hindrance to like our own like selfish things, right? Things we want to do, right? But his hindrance is to what he believed God called him to do. Isn't that interesting? 
that this thing that he's going to face is going to be right front and center in this amazing thing that he's doing, not for his own selfishness, but for God. And so how does Paul deal with this wrestling, this turmoil he faces, this, this season that nobody would sign up for, these hard things that we face in life? Well, how does Paul deal with these things? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we get an insight. So this is a letter that he's writing to a church. So it would be like the same as me, although you wouldn't want to read it because my handwriting's not great, writing a letter to you all, okay, about things that are going on. And so he's writing a letter that eventually becomes scripture, okay? And so he's writing this letter... And he's talking about this thing that's going on, all right? And so here's what he says, starting in verse 10 in chapter 12. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, okay? So instead of like getting a big head about myself, which people are tempted to do. And you got to imagine Paul has all kinds of influence in the world at this point. So he's trying not to get a big head about things. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Now, there's some interesting language in this. The first one is this. He says, I was given. Now, the Greek that he uses there is the same Greek that you would use if you were giving someone a gift. So God gives Paul a gift. It just happens to be a really terrible one, right? You ever given somebody a terrible gift? Okay. All right. So, so it's not one you would sign up for. Then he even doubles down on the language. Now, anytime, and we always talk about this, anytime it uses the word like Satan or the devil, like, I mean, they believe there was this evil force in the world, but it's also a figure of kind of speech in some ways. He's saying that whatever this thing is that he's been given, there can be no other way he can describe it as something that was evil that was given to him in his life. It's something hard. It's something painful. It's this terrible thing. And then he says to torment me. Now, again, I know not all of y'all understand Greek, but the Greek that's used here is the same language that's used as if you were pounding something with your fist, which means this thorn is not just like a little bit of a pain, like this thing is hurting him. It's painful to him. And so he's got this thing going on where he's got this curse. He's got this thorn in, in his side. It's, it's this painful thing. And so the first thing I want to say is this thing that Paul is facing is painful, it's hard. Now, now, scholars, we're not really sure what it, because he never really tells us what the thorn is, but many scholars believe that it could have been epilepsy. Many scholars believe it could have been like that he was going blind and couldn't see, which is really hard if you're someone that's writing a lot and reading a lot. I mean, that's a tough thing to go through. Many people think it might have been some type of arthritis because he was a tent maker and had some type of arthritis that was constantly bothering him. Some people believe it was you know, this, this um, speech thing that he had. So we don't really ever know, but whatever it is, it's really hurtful to him. It's painful to him because of what he believes his mission is supposed to be. And many believe because it's, he's literally describing something beating him up, like it's just something that's constantly not just nagging at him mentally, but actually nagging at him physically. So the first thing is, is that it's painful. The second thing that, that we see is that it's humiliating to him. Uh, like, have you ever been through something or experienced something and you don't want to tell anybody about it because it's humiliating, it's embarrassing that you have to go through that? That's kind of how he feels. It's like this embarrassing thing to him. And we also find out that whatever it is later on, that it's debilitating to him. So it literally stops him in his tracks. Whatever this thing is that he's facing, and when it comes into his life, it's painful, it's humiliating to him, and it's debilitating to him, it stops him. And all of this comes to the guy that's supposed to be the guy that's spreading the gospel to the rest of the world. 
And so the Apostle Paul, this huge, important person, he gets this thing that's painful, humiliating, debilitating. And then he says this, and I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Have you ever pleaded with God? Now, we're not talking about like these passive, like kind of like something happened and like, oh God, I don't want to go through this. We're not talking about like cutting deals. Like you ever done that deal with God? Like if I don't get caught, I'll never do that again. You ever done that one, right? You ever done the deal? This is my favorite. If I get away with this or you take this away, I'll never sin again. All right. Well, you just sinned and tried to bribe God. But anyway, so, um, so, you know, this weird thing, right? But he's pleading, which means this is like something on his mind over and over and over again. And he tells us not only did he, is he pleading with God in this season, he's pleaded with God three different times. Three different times, three different seasons of his life, this thing has been a part of his life. And he's like, God, you've got to do something about this. Now, what's interesting is when we go through hard times, what I love about this, this idea of Paul going through this is this. Is that, see, some of us have been taught or convinced that the reason we still go through hard stuff is because we don't have enough faith. I'm going to tell you this. Paul had more faith than everybody in this room combined. And he's still facing this thing, which, to be honest with you, is a little bit encouraging to me. That me, with all of my imperfections and all of my misunderstandings, and yet Paul, who, who does so many things right and well. The other thing that sticks out to me is this, is that um, this idea, it's bad theology that we try to like faith God into doing things for us, right? I'll have faith if it doesn't work like that. Three times he pleads with God. And then I don't want it to come up yet, but there's finally this response. And I love this because here's what I think. When I, when I think, of, like this, this, one of the families I was dealing with this week, they, they I don't say dealing with, that sounds terrible, what I was working with this week. Uh, sorry. And um, <laughs> I was working with this family. I was not dealing with them. It was, it was a good thing. And they kept asking me, like, why did this happen? Right? Why did this happen? And sometimes there's just not good answers. Like, there just isn't. But, but what I would say for some of us in this room, I know is true. That when we're going through that tough stuff, if God would just speak to us. And what Paul says is, he said, speaking of God, he said to me. And we don't know how he said it. We don't know if it was an audible voice. More than likely it wasn't. We don't know if it was through just this thought process he had or whatever it is or just the realization this isn't going away. But he has this moment. And I always tell people this. And I mean it. Like, for some of you, wouldn't that be enough? Even if it's not what you want to hear, that God took the time to speak to you. That he recognizes, and that's what's so hard sometimes when I go through things with people and walk through these things with them. I'm just like, couldn't you just say something to help? So here's what God says. But he said to me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Which is a really great scripture. It really is. It's this amazing scripture. We're going to talk through it. But for those of you that didn't just pick up on what God said, you know what God said to him? No. It's not going to go the way that you hoped. 
It's not going to go the way that you planned. You've pleaded with me. You've begged. You've been faithful. But for whatever reason, the answer is no. He says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. A good way to understand this, and these words can somewhat be interchangeable, is if Paul flipped it and he said, my strength is sufficient for you and my power or my grace is made perfect in your weakness. Now, again, it's this great verse. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's this language we need to hear sometimes. But can we just be honest? Nobody wants that, right? See, see, our tendency is to think, no, it's when we're strong. That's when God shows up. It's when I'm strong. It's when I've got everything figured out and I don't need your grace. Because then everything is going well in my life and I'm treating everybody nice and I'm forgiving everybody and I'm doing all this stuff. God's like, no. Literally in the Greek, when he says this, when he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. The little translation says, in a rough way, it says, my power reaches its full measure, which means that God is saying he's not able to reach the full measure in your life until you admit your weakness. Paul, I'm going to show off my power through your weakness. So for Paul, he's got this thorn in his side, and some of you have a thorn in your side, and it's painful, it's humiliating, humiliating, it's debilitating, and you know what else? It might be permanent. So what do you do when you're serving God with all of your heart and your soul, and in Paul's case, you're risking your life every single day, and now you're dealing with this thing that's in your life that's not going away, it's not easy, it's difficult. And you've basically been just told, hey, you've got to deal with this because you need to learn to lean into me more if you really want to work through this. So here's what Paul's response is. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Which just seems so just, right? You know people that boast about their weakness? I don't. I surely haven't. I like to boast about how smart I am and how I have answers for everything. Give me enough time, I can talk you into whatever. I'm strong, I don't need anybody. I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, so here's the thing, I'm doing this because I I wanna be connected to what he's doing. I delight in weaknesses and insults in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I really wrestle with these verses. I don't know about you. Because I don't, I don't like to be insulted, right? I don't like it when I go through things that I perceive to be a hardship. I don't like persecution, I will say, and don't get too mad at me, I will say, if you think that we're being persecuted right now in our lives, I think you either need a time machine and just go back or maybe go to parts of the world where it's really, really bad or in difficulties. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's difficult right now. For when I am weak, 
then I am strong. Can I just say this and not make anybody mad, which it probably will? I mean, doesn't that just sound so, like, un-American? Like the culture, not, not like patriotic, but the culture that we've been invited into. We don't celebrate these things. We, we, don't, we don't deal well with these things. If you insult me, I'm going to tear you down, right? If you make my life difficult, I'm going to get you back. So Paul, he's wrestling with this, but, but what he says is, is I'm not going to pretend like this thing isn't in my life. I'm not going to hide from it. I'm not going to dodge it. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm going to embrace it. And, and the language that Paul uses is confusing to us to some degree. So let's only put it in language I think that we might understand. What he's saying is embracing your inability is a prerequisite to embracing Christ's ability. You may never fully experience what Christ is able to do in your life until you learn to process your inability in life. That I realize that in order for me to experience Christ's power through me, I have to be okay with this storm. I have to be okay with this season. I have to embrace this circumstance. Because for some of us in this room, we bump up against it at every stage of life. Hardships and hard things and things from our past and things from our relationships. When things aren't going the way that we hoped and we can't have the smiley, happy face, we hide. We run. We lie. And Paul says, no, you got to embrace all of that stuff. Because when you embrace your weakness, that's when you start to experience Christ's power. Again, it's so counter to the culture that we've been given. But I would say to some of you, me included, is maybe that's also why we're not experiencing the power of Christ in our life as much as we could. Because we're just trying to do it by ourselves. I'm stronger, smarter, faster. I don't, I don't need that sometimes. And maybe the reason you're not experiencing his grace as much as you'd like is because you're trying to control everything. And there's the tension, isn't it? Like, it's this weird thing. Like, okay, so in order for me to experience God's power in my life, I have to be weak. And that's hard. We don't like it. Which is why we got to talk about it next week. <laughs> but I don't want to leave you on that cliff note. Cliff note. Cliff, whatever. Here's what else Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so a few chapters earlier, he says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, when he says this, what he's talking about is you and me. So we have this treasure that we've been given, which is God's power in our life, but it's in jars of clay. Do you know why he calls it jars of clay? Because jars of clay are incredibly fragile. Guess what, who are the jars of clay in this analogy? Me and you. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how much you can bench press. It doesn't matter how tough you are. You are fragile. You are. And so am I. But we have this treasure that's been given to us in these fragile lives and these fragile bodies. And this is all surpassing power. We are hard pressed on every side. And it feels like that sometimes, right? But we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. 
or persecuted, but not abandoned. And isn't that a good thing to know that God hasn't abandoned us? We're struck down, but not destroyed. And then my favorite verse, in all, almost in all of the Bible. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And some of us need to memorize that verse and tattoo it on our wrists, if you believe in that type of thing. What he's saying is this, that it is possible for every external situation to be weighing down on you and beating you and hurting you. And because of the all-surpassing power of God in your life and in your weakness, that you've never been stronger on the inside. For our light, and momentary troubles, because at the end of the day, it's all momentary, right? You are, you are but a mist. You're here, and then you're not. It's all momentary. Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. It says what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul believed this. That's why he can take this thorn in his flesh and he can say, listen, it's not what I would have signed up for. It's not what any of us would have signed up for. It's a weakness. But I'm going to rest in Christ's strength and in his grace to get me through this. One of his comrades, his name is a guy named John. John experiences a lot with Jesus and he takes care of Jesus' mother and probably knows just about as much about Jesus on his earthly life as anybody. And when he's ending one of his, his letters to the early church, he, he says this, and it's this amazing line. You might be familiar with it, but he says, the one that is in us is greater than... I don't finish it because we're going to get there next week, but here's the question for you. What is it that you need the one in you to be greater than? What is the thing? What is your thorn? What is the thing that's humiliating and debilitating and painful? What is the thing that you need his power to prevail in your weakness? What is the thing you need his grace to be sufficient for? And there's the tension, isn't it? Sometimes it's okay to set in that tension, to pray about that tension, to plead on that tension. And we'll pick up there next week. Let's pray.